All right. Freeform jazz session. Take one. I was going to say. Welcome back to Beards and Brews, everybody. This week's review is going to be Scott Pilgrim versus the World from 2010. I fucking love this movie, guys. I fucking love it. Um, from the very beginning, you've got, you know what you're getting into. You've got the Universal logo comes in, pixelized. You have the 8-bit audio. You know this I love is, it. Yeah. Yeah. They're going full-on video game, old-school video game with this. And it's just delightful. So this may or may not start with that 8-bit Universal thing. That was so fun. There's so many little bits and pieces of this movie that... <laughs> At least eight. I love. Yeah. hey uh, That I love. I absolutely agree. I am a huge, huge fan of Edgar Wright. This is the movie that he made between um, Cornado films, so this is between Hot Fuzz and The World's End. And this movie reeks of his writing and his cinematography and his direction. It's a lot of fun. And it was such a box office bomb. I don't... Uh, I, oh. You mean a box office bomb? Ah. Uh, but I fucking love it, man. <laughs> I, every time I watch this movie, I love it a little bit more. And that's why it was on our list. I, but, yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah, this, this is definitely a Chandler movie. But I, I liked it a lot, too. The thing is, I feel like this is one of the best comic book inspired movies like you know a movie that almost tries to tell this perspective of a comic book verbatim oh absolutely. Because tank, yeah because tank girl's fucking annoying fuck that movie this is a lot better <laughs> yeah the jump cuts here are a lot of fun uh the transitions of them just being in one shot literally walking into the next set is super fucking cool uh, the the this... film's visuals carry it for me. There's so many cute little labels and animations. It's really yeah. built in the style of a video game, but really to look like a comic book. But the thing is, what makes it like maybe like a cherry on top is that it carries that really good wit and humor that kind of comes from the comic book. It's really hard to capture anywhere else. But with all like the slam cuts and changes in scenery and everything, it works almost perfectly. Yeah, a lot of the time when you, you see like a jump cut or something, it's like you're turning the page. Yeah. Yeah. And once more, hand off to Edgar Wright, the director. Little applause there. I mean, I don't think anybody else could have done this well of a job with the source material. It's almost like how he developed as a filmmaker was perfect for this content. I can, yeah, I agree with that. So getting right to Michael Sarah's face. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. No love uh, for our Canadian boy. Man, I want to compare this to, like, a video game that I've played since, you know, this is video game referencing and such. Final Fantasy X. You play as the main okay. character. His name is Titus. I yeah. fucking hate Titus. I hate him. Does. The game was great. And then, you know, once you get enough characters, you can just take Titus out of the party. But I couldn't take Michael Sarah out of the goddamn movie. <laughs> To be fair, Scott Pilgrim is kind of garbage. Like, as a person, he's kind of garbage. Yeah, they make light of that later on in the movie. Yeah, through the whole thing, it's just constantly prodded at how shitty of a person he is. Yeah, yeah. which I think and, is great, because he's yeah. like, hey, man, why is everybody an asshole? And everybody's just like, aren't you an asshole? Yeah. He, I, I was so confused why these beautiful women are attracted to this guy. You know, I, ugh. Well, I mean, usually women who just dyed their hair all the time are pretty boring, so... Well, he was definitely not interesting. He was, to me, in this film, 
he was my least favorite part. I love the supporting cast. I love all the little side gags. If Michael Sarah had one moment in the film for me, and we'll get to that later. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. But um, on top of that, personally, I think this is one of his better pictures that he's made. Um, oh, that's not cool. a fan, Not a fan of Juno that much. Um, Superbad was pretty okay. Oh, yeah. Superbad. Okay, Superbad was good. That's when we were, like, introduced to him. Honestly, there's another one. Like, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, I've got a soft spot for it, but we won't go into that. Mm, do I remember watching that? But, oh, no, it was that uh, Seth Rogen movie where they make a porno. <laughs> that's what that is. <laughs> that's not is that the same thing at all. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's go ahead and get into the plot a little bit. The only plot point that we need to start out with is Scott Pilgrim's dating a high schooler. He's a 22-year-old guy. He's he's Michael Sarah, and he's dating 17-year-old Knives Chow, a very cute but very high school um, Chinese girl. <laughs> they almost held hands, dude. They are like so semi-racist in the <laughs> opening scene with her, and it's fucking funny. They pull that out like a couple times during the movie. I think at one point she's um, mentioned as a. Uh... Like, hold on, Kung Pao Chicken, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they, there's a lot of that. And I was like, yikes. I, every time they did it, I know that it's supposed to be like taboo, oh no, racism, whatever. The shit's funny. They they got good jokes, and you go, huh, that's something you would say to a buddy of yours that's of a different race. <laughs> you know? Alright, so in the context of this, we're then just sort of one after the other introduced to... A couple of the other main characters, uh, many of them in Scott's band. You've got Stephen Stills, the talent. You've got young Neil, who is not actually in the band, but he plays <laughs> Zelda and Tetris and whatever, we find out. And I'm and pretty then, sure that's the guy from uh, Almost Famous, isn't it? No, no. Is it not? Okay. No. And then we have Kim Pine, who evidently dated Scott in high school, and she... Probably hasn't gotten over it because she's just always scowling at him. I thought you were going to say she probably hasn't gotten over it because it hasn't looked like she's brushed her hair in years. Oh, leave the girl alone. She's a drummer. She doesn't care. She sells so many scenes by just being in the background, brooding. And just scowling and, at him. And, like, pretending to blow her head off and stuff. Yeah. That's where you're introduced to, all right, they're in a band. Uh, they are sex bob which is a, a cool little Mario reference. Anybody? <laughs> you know, the little bomb fellas, and you gotta step on them, and then you got like a couple seconds just to toss them. I feel like this movie and also the source material handle pop culture and video games in a really fun way, where like the references aren't ham-fisted, oh, fuck right. you, Ready Player One. Uh, I mean, this if it makes it feel like a lot of fun. My next line, Eric, was this is like what Ready Player One should have been with the nostalgia shoutouts. <laughs> there you go. I'm glad we're on the same page. Fuck Ready Player One. <laughs> and I didn't see Ready Player One at all. Now, but, in Ready Player One's it, defense, they have some really fucking cool visuals of, you know, some of your favorite characters from that era. But other than that, was, they're just there to be seen. Yeah, they're just there. That's it. It's it's just that that whole movie. You know what? We're talking about Scott Pilgrim, guys. It's a good movie. <laughs> Back to Scott Pilgrim. 
But then you have a real quick cutscene where you're going to meet uh, Scott's gay roommate, Kieran Culkin. I don't remember what his actual name in the movie is. Wallace. It's Kieran Culkin. Not like, Home Alone. Yeah, it's uh, Macaulay Culkin's <laughs> brother, who then berates him about dating a high schooler. He calls Scott's sister, Anna Kendrick, who also berates him about dating a high schooler. Everybody's just giving him shit about dating a high schooler. Yeah, all the women in his life are just giving him shit at the moment. Uh, you also get your first taste of a reoccurring theme of Wallace being a gossip whore with his phone. <laughs> He's like, He's Wallace, very don't good do it. it. He's like, I'm not doing anything, and the phone's just already in his hand texting. Which is like another comic book trope that would never work in another director's hands or anything like that. Yeah, things just appear and disappear all the time. Like, uh, it's played perfectly for laughs. It's good. <laughs> oh yeah, like the, the beautiful reference. You know, a big deal was in Pearl Harbor. Whenever Ben Affleck's wearing a scarf, and in the next scene, it's gone. They have a lot of that used properly. Like whenever they talk about Michael Sarah's hair, he'll have. Yeah. No hat, and then they'll say somebody's hair, boom, and then there's a hat on his head. Oh, yeah. Well, you, like uh, Chandler mentioned briefly, like that's contextual, whereas uh, Michael B. and Pearl Harbor, that was just a big fucking mess of continuity and oh, no, no, I, I know historical that. inaccuracies. Also, fuck Michael Bay. It's just going to be that show. Hey, We're just going to have a shit list. I don't know if you can say fuck Michael Bay, because we might get Hillary Clinton. We might be on suicide oh, and then still kill ourselves. <laughs> I love that. There's a meme going around where it's like, um, the guards were like, I thought Suicide Watch was just watch him commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> so the next yeah. scene that we have is uh, Scott and Knives going out on a little little day date. You know, they're going out to the arcade playing like a fighting game that sort of looks like DDR or whatever. Yeah. I wrote and... it down as Punch Punch Revolution. Oh, that's good. And you hear Scott give a little lesson about the history of Pac-Man. Did you know that it, it was originally supposed to be called Puck-Man? But da, 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 that whole thing. But it's they a boring story. It. He's, he's boring. Yeah. yeah, it was such a small talk moment, and it just made me just internally gag. Yeah. Who cares? Fucking want a punt kick. Michael Sarah. every time he's talking, I'm like, shut the fuck up, Michael Sarah. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, give me some more of these cute little nostalgia moments. Uh, they take a trip to the music store where we meet Aubrey Plaza's character, Julie, who is just a bitch through the whole thing. Like, intentionally a bitch. This character, character is she's a just, lot of fun. Yeah, but she's just Aubrey Plaza. I mean, there's no like, character. That's April Ludgate, right? Yeah, absolutely. What she does is her side job. She has a million side jobs. If there's a place you can work, she is there working. Knobs asks her, you know, do you have any of, you know, her favorite band is the Clash at Demon Head. Do you have any of that? And Scott's just like, we gotta go. You, you shouldn't listen to that. Foreshadowing. But we should point out that's because, like, she, she, yeah, Michael Sears is she. We should point out that's because uh, he had dated, like, the lead singer or whatever and that's kind of like this, how this whole thing kind of tumbled into place. Yeah, in the story, pretty much everybody dates everybody at some point. Bunch of fucking orgid, orgerific folks going on. Swingers, by God, swingers. All Stop of them. Stop shaming. <laughs> oh, you know, Toronto. It's all about the views from the six. It's all very uh, friendly. Like Scott is not at all trying to get intimate or anything at all with knives. He very much keeps his distance. Doesn't even try and kiss her. It's really awkward. Oh, dude, yeah. 
I think it's because his entire friend group just shamed him immediately. He's just kind of like, uh, okay. I think it's because, like they said, he's like, he's in a mourning period still, and she's a place filler. She doesn't have, he doesn't have any intentions with her at all. She's just there to take up some time. Yeah, and every time, you know, a friend meets her in person, they're like, get away from him. <laughs> just get away. He's no good. Get away. He walks her to his apartment, and he's like, no, no, you can't come in. No. No girls allowed. <laughs> Sorry, rebound chick. Gotta go. You gotta bounce. Dang. Uh, so once he gets home, he's got this vision. I don't know if he's having a dream or whatever, but he has a vision. A messenger bag rollerblading through the desert. Meanwhile, back at the library. Goes to the library with his 17-year-old girlfriend, and she's fucking there. The girl from his vision, girl from his dream, is there. Yeah, she's not she's fucking the there. Like, she's just there. Yeah, she's there, <laughs> like, I don't know, turning in some books or something. With her Jinko jeans and rollerblades. <laughs> Yeah, what's up like those bell-bottom jeans? I think they were mud jeans. No, crickets. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you lost me. After this little quick cut to the library, there's a quick cut to uh, band practice, and then there's a quick cut to everybody's going to this party. There's a big party. They run to run into this hipster guy that everybody knows. I forget his name, but he's just like the recurring like ultra-hipster guy that makes ultra hipster little quips here and there and we're just going to call him meta hipster because he unintentionally breaks the fourth wall a couple times in the movie where he's just like talking in the background about how this is a comic book movie yeah i love it and i don't know if it was intentional i don't know the name of the song that's playing uh but to me it sounds exactly like the tune to cinnamon girl by neil young don't you mean young neil exactly young neil this party was for alts only all the party. So then he goes over and he finds, you know, the the chick, like by you know, roaming through the party. Yeah, and he just pokes his head through the whole the whole way. There's a What's scene great of, when he creeps up next to her. He's wearing a a white shirt that almost matches his skin color, and it's got a like red collar on it. I thought he was wearing a choker. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you gotta like adjust your white balance on your TV. Oh oh oh, it's fashion. And he tries to get in with her, tries to awkwardly talk to her, and it goes terribly. He starts talking her with the whole Pac-Man Pac spiel, and it's just he's uncomfortable. Like, he's too nervous with it, and he's fucking it all up. Which is kind of weird, because I think this is the only time in the whole movie where he actually showed nerves. Otherwise, he's just like, hey, go out with me, you know? Yeah. And also, he's a murderer. Dude, I is have it? homicide written in here later on. <laughs> Dude is fucking just killing people. <laughs> Once she decides, yeah, you should you should probably go away, he just stalks her around for the rest of the party in a really creepy way and asks everyone about her. Dude, the stalking scene. Alright, so I said there was only one scene that I liked with him in it. I'm wrong. There were two. The stalking scene is definitely one of them. It's fucking short, quick cuts, but he's always somewhere with her in the background, like, pinned against somebody. Yeah. Like they would in a cartoon. Like he's in the outline of like a cactus standing behind a cactus looking at it. The shit is fun. I wrote that down as Spidey Pilgrim because he's just like sticking to walls like Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> stalking. It's, it was a good bit. 
But we do find a few a few things about her. We find out that she's American, she works at Amazon, and she might have mentioned a guy named Gideon. That's more foreshadowing. But first yeah. of all, there's no fucking way she works at Amazon. I've never seen an Amazon employee personally deliver their fucking stuff to my house. Maybe Which things work differently much. in Montreal or Toronto or wherever. Just <laughs> ding dong, it's just Drake with the package. Oh no, it's his package. <laughs> no. Uh, only if you're fucking Millie Bobby Brown. Ooh, that's weird. I'm gonna cut all this. <laughs> I don't know, I think that's a good one. <clears throat> so he's stalking her up the joint until she leaves, and he's like, great, she works at Amazon, so she's great with packages, whatever. Joke. <laughs> Who's the chick with the glasses that he's talking to? Like, right after the stalking scene or whatever. Every Plaza? Uh, Jenna Hayes? It's one of them. I, I don't remember which one it is, but she's the mom from the new Child's Play. Like, when I saw her, I went, hey, I know yeah, her. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, that's yeah, Aubrey Plaza. Oh, okay. No, I thought you were... Never mind. Yeah, it's just April Ludgate with glasses. So, after the party, he goes home, starts talking to Wallace. He says, Wallace, this is the girl of my dreams. And Wallace says, then you should break up with your fake high school girlfriend. Which is pretty much what fucking everybody has been telling him. And this is our second little thing of Wallace having the phone magically in his hand. He has already sent this text while he was drunk and passed out. Scott watches him <laughs> pass out. His phone immediately rings. And then he looks back at Wallace and Wallace's phone is in his hand. He had texted sometime during that. I mean, I, I love his character. It's so great. So he gets this idea in his head. He's got he's to talk to her. He's got to buy something from Amazon. So he logs onto his computer. Oh, he's got mail. He's got a letter from somebody who's got a gonna fight evil, blah blah. It's boring. Whatever. Something, something to the death, something, something. Don't worry about it. Right. But he's gotta order something from Amazon. Gotta order the coolest thing. I don't even know what it is, but it's gotta be cool. I don't know, something worth waiting at the door for. Yeah. But just from then chill. on, he's just super distant and avoidant with knives, and he thinks about ending it, and he really doesn't, because he's he's kind of a dick. Yes. He also gets an attack hug. And straight up, knives is kind of cool. Like, she's like, you know, the girlfriend that you would kind of want. She wants to play video games. She wants to hang out. She looks to you as, you know, better than you are, for sure. Are you saying you'd want a 17-year-old girlfriend? I think that's right what you now? just said. No, I'm way older, but, you know, if I was to choose, maybe. I'd keep it, you know, a little bit quiet. All right, yeah. <laughs> Give her some of that Kung Pao. I wouldn't pee on her like he references later. Hashtag R. <laughs> Kelly. That's probably the police. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Nobody's vegan here, right? Okay, never mind. That's for later. Scott goes to take a piss, and he gets a little pee bar. And I don't know why, but the little pee bar pops up, and I went, really? I just, I, it didn't amuse me. I, there's a lot of these little throwaway gags that I really enjoyed, and this one just seemed, I don't know, out of place. Oh, I love it. I think it's real cute. But it does, this scene does have the most realistic view of washing hands after using the, the restroom for a guy. Just Like, uh, you take a pee, you just, maybe one second of running your hands underwater just barely touching two towels and you're done wiping the rest on your shirt and then leaving i mean bacteria be damned i mean is that's that how just it works. me that's just me yeah whenever he gets the package 
She hands it to him. He gives some back and forth banter that just, to me, again, because it's Michael Sarah, I'm fucking hating it. He just seems so pathetic and desperate, and it puts me off. I don't know why. I was just like, fucking shut up, Michael Sarah, get off the screen. I want more throwaway gags. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, it is desperate. It is awful. Like, he's just really awkward and uncomfortable, but he reminds me a lot of myself, and that's endearing. Wow, big crickets. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, that was like a moment for you. I can't really be like, you know what? I relate. I, I don't like <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. I want to kick him in the fucking teeth. I like you, though. <laughs> Yeah, there's a big difference. Like, like maybe we didn't. Well, I mean, Chandler might have like known you like when you're like a post high schooler, like in that age or whatever. But like, I just can't can't equate it for some reason. <laughs> I'm just uh, fucking awkward when it comes to women. Okay. I'm gonna cut that. I'm just gonna say I'm fucking women. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He finally convinces Ramona, hang out with me. Like, uh, you can go away if you agree to hang out with me, pretty much. Yeah, and he has to sign the package. And the second he signs, she hands him the package. He fucking immediately chucks it over his shoulder and it goes right in the trash. Because he didn't give a shit. About I'm still what curious he what it is. Yeah, they, um, they never show you what he ordered. But I do remember reading that they made like 60 cuts of this. And it took him like 60 fucking times to make that in the garbage can. Jesus Christ. I might be making up that number, but it took a lot of times. But see, to me, this is where the film really shines. And these little cuts, these little gags like this. I love these bits. And this movie is full of them. Once more, fucking hand it to Edgar Wright. Just packing all this fucking... All these little isms, all these little bits into every little scene. Just taking the care and consideration just to do it absolutely right. Yeah, even if there's not like a scene happening that's you know driving the story or something there's something going on to get your attention and make you go look at that i you know what i agree this movie could have been super fucking annoying but it's not so congrats so they end up hanging out they talk a little bit he asks about gideon she says he's a friend all right we'll see they walk around in the snow or whatever, and, like, okay, here's where I'm going to talk about Ramona. You guys ready to talk about Ramona? Like, which version? Like, pink, purple, blue? The OG. Gotcha. All right. She is absolutely, by definition, the quintessential manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> right? All right. She is, first of all, she's gorgeous. Perfect, but she's so fucking, like, there's there's nothing to her character. Like, she is a dream girl for a reason. There is nothing, oh. nothing substantial to her. She has no personality. She's just a visual pixie. You took the words right out of my mouth, because this entire movie, I'm like, he's lusting over her? She's a piece of drywall with pink hair. Oh, no, I get it. I get it. There's nothing to it. But I get it. I yeah, mean, like, like, I mean, it could have been like coincidentally, he like walked down the road and saw a rock that looked like a titty and fell in love with that. It's like the <laughs> same fucking thing. Yeah, he's super obsessed with this girl. You know, again, she's seventeen, pedophile. He has this girl, 
who you know from the beginning of the, the movie they show you how interesting and, and and actually how much they have in common with these two you know what i mean and then boom oh my god i love this girl what does she do nothing what makes her so special she's hot high question mark yeah and then maybe an upside down one that was it. I mean, when she took her clothes off and was in her undies, I looked. I was like, oh, what's this? And she's like, I'm not having sex with you, Scott Pilgrim. And I was like, well, I'm not interested in this scene anymore. <laughs> you just clicked it off immediately. Yeah. I you had to go she... drain your pee bar. I think she just really appeals to a very niche uh, crowd of sort of like semi-hipster guys in the mid-2000s. And I fall into that niche. Oh, I thought it was because, like, uh, she's just, like, one of those broke girls, you know? He's just totally into that. Like, one of the two broke girls? Hey, I'm not into either one of them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the reason why one's broke, <laughs> and the other one just kind of, like, the plot. She By is the way, here if we're to referring move. to the TV show, I don't know why either one of them are broke, so I have no context for this. The show's awful. They have nice legs, though. What? The two broke girls? Uh-huh. They have nice legs. Oh, yeah, one in the other titty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. yep, you got it. Yeah. Wait, Meanwhile, back in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they snuggle up. Ramona's like, "I'm not having sex with you," and uh, Scott's just like, "All right, I'll. I deserve these blue balls." <laughs> I mean, that's what he's into. <laughs> but he's hey, a snuggler. Come to our show. We just found out we've got a show. It's at the Toronto Battle of the Bands. Please come. We're terrible. Please come. She came. <laughs> she could have came a lot earlier if she just moved things along that night. Just saying. Are you sure? Uh, uh, it's Mike up there, huh? Well, think about this, though. He's got magic powers. Motherfucker, like, is going to be murdering and doing jump kicks and using superpowers. I'm pretty sure he's got some level up for his dick. Worst comes to it, he's Canadian. He'll be sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. So they've got this show, and she actually ends up showing up to the show. She comes. So did Knives. It's real awkward. The whole scene's real awkward. Yeah, my note says, hashtag busted. Yeah. Or is know, he? I don't know why he would invite her to a show that he knows that his girlfriend is coming to, but alright. Well, because next time he wanted to get to three and a half base. That's why. And then they got, like, uh, the band. They get to play. And the visuals during the performance, not the, the performance itself, the music to me is appalling. I'm like, ugh. Really? But, I'm into it. Well, but you're into those, like, you know, little indie rock bands that, you know, grunge-ish. Like garage sound. rock? Yeah. I I don't care for that. But the way that they displayed, like, the sound coming off the drums, you know, when they're hitting the D chord, it's just literally like a big D, like, shooting out. Giving her the D. That's so cool. I thought those were very neat little, as Eric puts it, isms like these little things that get me to keep watching even though i want to punt kick michael Sarah. and i also noticed that they're um they don't play hang on i also noticed that the songs for like the little band in the movie aren't very long so it's really nice that it doesn't quite overstay its welcome so it's always just freshly paced just to keep things going 
Yeah. Um, and if you all didn't know, all of the songs from uh, their band, whose name I can't remember, Sex Bob-omb, actually performed by Beck in this. Those are all Beck. Which is exactly why none of that will be in the background right now. Thank you, copyright. Hell yeah! Not gonna get a speck of Beck. Dang. What the heck? Say no to Beck. Uh, yeah, the first oh. band that plays is called Crashing the Boys. We've got their first hit single, I Am So Sad, So Very, Very Sad, which is honestly my jam. I don't know about you. I was into it. It was a whole of, what, two seconds? He's like, I'm sad, gonna die, it's done. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah if, you're, uh, if you're into the extended radio cut, yeah, two seconds. <laughs> the extended radio cut. <laughs> nice. So then, boom, the ceiling explodes, and this is where the movie gets to shine. This Hell yeah. Every time there is a fight scene in this movie, it is quick, it is fun, it's well choreographed, it's filmed very interesting from like different angles that you wouldn't normally see. It's, it, it's very flashy, but very clean. Super entertaining. Yeah, you know? it's really neat, and you get to see Scott Pilgrim fighting what appears to be like a, uh, you know... Well, according to Ramona, she he was the only not-white night jock guy at the high school, so... Yeah, this is where you get to see Scott Pilgrim versus this Indian fella from he India. He is Matthew Patel! Yeah, Matthew Patel. He's screaming, he's announcing who he is, and he just, to me, reminded me of the system of a down dude dressed like he was going to college. Nice. <laughs> I think about of all these boss battles, this is the most cringe. I just didn't like his character that much. Like, I love like the action and all that, but just, I don't like the character. He's just, well, he's just funky. I enjoyed it until he started match. Yeah. I think yes, right there. Because like even Ramona, when when she's like, yeah, I dated him in like seventh grade. Uh, he definitely had like a really good line and he's like what are you supposed to be a pirate and he's like yeah are you a pirate and he goes pirates are in this year <laughs> this shit was pretty good i gotta check a lot but yeah i agree the uh the whole scene's really well choreographed I, it's visually appealing i like it a lot especially when you get to see his fireball and his demon hipster chicks yeah his bollywood beatdown. <laughs> i'm sorry that <laughs> caught me off guard <laughs> They shoot the fireball that, you know, incinerates crashing the boys. A fucking triple homicide right there. Boom. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. And everybody was just cool with it. Actually, you know what? There's a lot of murder in this movie. And it's all Dude. absolutely okay. Eric, there is so much murder. It's not murder. It's just game <laughs> over. It's murder. I mean, as far as we know, there's only one kind of police force in this town. So who knows? Scott Pilgrim gets the upper hand and knocks him out with a KO coin punch. And when he hits him, dude busts into money. Which is like a toonie and some pocket change. But it wasn't even enough for bus fare home. Thank you for our uh, Canadian money translator. Not a problem. Blink. It's something that really got me. We get treated to the uh, Seinfeld theme. Him sliding in the door and, you know, the canned laughter. Oh, yeah. Again, I didn't care that it was Scott Pilgrim. It could have been any fucking character and I would have been laughing just as hard. I have to disagree. It's probably like the most obtuse the movie is for me. Like I got the joke, but it just like kept fucking going. I'm like, I get it. I get it. Okay, Kramer. I get it. I agree with both of you. What? 
You running on the independent docket? <laughs> <laughs> Ramona explains, like, if we're going to continue dating, you've got to defeat my seven evil exes. Matthew Patel was one of them. You've got six more. And that's what this movie's about. Like, if we, we could start it right now, everything before that was precursor. You got to defeat the seven evil exes. So this cardboard cutout of a, you know, emo porn star wants him to commit seven murders. <laughs> well, just six more. To get them skins. Dang. She needs some scalps. You want to talk about somebody using somebody, this is worse than Hoagie using fucking uh, Mrs. Brody. <laughs> At least Hoagie was just trying to get the money. This motherfucker trying to get some deaths. <laughs> we don't like, know gotta... what Hoagie's intentions were. Look, you gotta get the kill count up or you ain't getting it. Those are rookie numbers. Gotta pump oh. those numbers up. Gotta pump those numbers up. <laughs> Start murdering. <laughs> and after this, like, he finally breaks up with knives. It's just a long, drug-out scene of him stringing her along for, like, eight minutes. Oh, before yeah. he's like, yeah, I don't want to break up. Yeah, Scott finally breaks up with her after really awkwardly, like, hanging out with her for a little while. And she's like, will you take me to the Clash of Demon Head concert? No, we should not do anything together ever again. Yeah, but she's like, I love you, and the love comes out like the caterpillar smoke from Alice in Wonderland, and he waves that shit off, like, get that shit the fuck out of here. That made me chuckle pretty hard. Yeah, he was just like, love is coming at him, he's like, choking on it, he's like, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just the fact that it just almost disgusted him, just like, nah, nah, nah. Then after that, Scott's just, like, gloatingly happy. He's at uh, band practice, and then... Like, Ramona shows up, and they leave, and is like, what about practice? Well, Neil knows my parts. Just go ahead. You, I'm a bassist. You don't really need that much. Throws in the bass. Yeah. But uh, they have a date. They're gonna... Scott's gonna make her dinner or something. And he sort of kicks Wallace out of the apartment for this. But Wallace is gonna, I guess, stalk uh, actor, skater, leap, whatever. Um, Captain Eyebrows. Yeah, he sort of kicks Wallace out of the apartment for a little while. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Wallace was going to go stalk Captain America for a little bit anyway. Uh, so they have dinner, and shit gets awkward. So they go to find Wallace, who's still stalking Captain America, Lucas Lee, actor, skater, whatever. Well, even Wallace was like, hey, if you don't get it in in an hour, come see me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he didn't get it in, so they... <laughs> They uh, stumble upon who just happens to be Ramona's second evil ex. Captain Amerisgate. Nice. Like, whenever he walked onto the screen, I will say this. He commands attention. The man comes out, he's got his eyebrows up. He's, it's like he's doing a mock-up <laughs> of The Rock. And it's fun. He's just... I mean, his eyebrows are so, like, anime. I couldn't oh, yeah. get over it. <laughs> he like, was just he always out, just like brow. Yeah. He gets out of his trailer, puts on a skateboard, rolls 10 feet onto set, lets the skateboard keep going, and goes, I'm ready. <laughs> it's just fucking great. <laughs> but this is probably the shortest of the uh, the fights that we have here. Yeah, He's got a he, bunch uh, of stunt doubles that Scott somehow just does away with. I don't know. I would like to point out that each consecutive stunt double looks far, far away from what Chris Evans looks like. Like, yes. each one looks less like him. Less and less. And then there's that one, like, really short, chunky dude. 
That was great. That was a good one. <laughs> that was me, actually. <laughs> That's why Chandler likes the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but he realizes that he can't beat uh, Captain Skate. He's just too strong, so he outsmarts him by attacking his ego. Can you do a thingy down that rail? I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to make me do some like crazy stunt where I hurt myself. Girls are watching. All right, I'll do that. (laughs) So he does that. He bails. He dies. Explosions. Uh, Two thousand points points for for uh, Captain uh, Scott. You got to tell her that you know you got to use the L word. (laughs) Lesbian. No, the other L word. Lesbian. There it is. <laughs> I love how sure he was with that second one. Got it. But uh, all right, Ramona Bales. She's she went somewhere, nowhere to be known. But Scott gets a call from Envy Adams, his ex, who just happens to be the lead singer of uh, the Clash at Demonhead, who is playing in town, played by the beautiful Brie Larson, uh, Captain Marvel, actually. Captain Marvel. Yep. So just Whoa. so you know, two captains in this movie. Two captains in this movie. If you don't count Captain Scott, movie. yeah, you got <laughs> two comic book fellows who go on later on to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm just trying to picture Michael Sarah in the MCU. He like could be. Shit. He could be the Black Panther. Oh, <laughs> uh, it just gets worse. <laughs> Envy's actually a little bit jealous when. She finds out that Scott's got a new girlfriend. A bit envious. Oh. <laughs> Way to put that one together, Chan Man. Hmm. That's what I'm here for. So there's a knock on his door as he's going out to do these little errands to try to find Ramona. And as Wallace opens the door, the split second that he sees that it's knives. And like she's pers- like, it's Scott here? And crash. He just left. And then he reaches back in and gets his hat. And then you see him, like the camera pans to her, and it shows him <laughs> running around in the background, getting away from her. For <laughs> his two scenes where I actually appreciated Michael Sarah. Now I don't know if it has anything to do with you know him as a character or not him as a character. I don't know if it has anything to do with him as an actor or just the way you know the characters written in those scenes. But those two things, Michael Sarah did right. It's almost like the cinematic equivalent of like. Oh, be back in a sec, and you just hear a door slam and a car screech away. Yeah. <laughs> just, where are you going? I'm going to go get cigarettes. Never seen again. So he w- ends up wandering down to the old coffee shop where Julie, Aubrey Plaza, works, of course, her fucking fourth job or whatever. And Ramona happens to be there. And Envy is also there. I don't know, a small town, I guess, Toronto is. Yeah, she, she just standing. likes to stand in front of her own poster. So Yes. I thought that was a good touch. That's almost as good as those jokes of, like, someone standing next to a picture of themselves on the wall in the same exact place and pose. Yeah. Because it pans by once during the conversation, and you just see the poster for the band with her wearing the outfit. So it pans back to Michael Sarah, and then it pans back, and he goes, <gasps> and it's suddenly her standing exactly in front of the poster, posed exactly the same way in the same clothing. It was, it was a nice little touch. And you see her there talking to, to Michael, to Scott, for a sec getting jealous because he's with Ramona and she's just like we've got a show you should come to it you're on the list anyway even if you don't want to come look all I'm saying is every time she said come I was like alright <laughs> you should so 
totally come. Yeah. I don't like that. Is this is this two ninety nine for the first minute? <laughs> Fucking three ninety nine for each additional minute there, Chandler. Gosh. Gosh. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> now I got a charge for this cast. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, he she basically is going to force him to come to the concert with him, uh, <clears throat> and then his coffee's ready. And then every time that Julie says something to uh, Michael Sarah's character, she's cussing him. And she's like, hey, fucker, your coffee's ready. But instead of, you know, getting to say, here the fucker, it's like a dial-up bleep. It's like, that doesn't translate well. But just watch the movie. You'll get it. Yeah. And that was Scott Pilgrim, everybody. No. (laughs) Watch the movie. You'll get it. That's the whole whole review. Yeah. But then, like, Scott has, like, this meta moment where he's like, how are you doing it with your mouth? Envy is asked sex bomb to open for them at uh, at their show shit just and gets even more awkward scott pilgrim wants nothing to do with it but he's like uh i guess i gotta take one for the team man and then one of the other members is like we gotta get better we need like you know that level of fame where we have stalkers and it pans to the outside window with knives out there with a little <laughs> hand oh, yeah. staring in and she slinks away and there's like a handprint just stuck there yeah that's just a little bit after Knives has seen Ramona with Scott and she starts like freaking out and dyeing her hair and all of this stuff to try and maybe win Scott back. Uh, but yeah, shit gets, shit gets awkward. Um, they go and play the show and they don't really have a great performance, but the Clash of Demon Head comes on and okay, I don't know if you guys know anything about Metric, the band that this song is actually by, um, but this is on... Black Sheep is by a band called Metric. On the record, it's a pretty okay song. Here with Brie Larson actually on vocals, she fucking kills it. This is better than the original by far. Well, she is quite the marvel, so... Uh, But I I agree with you here, Chandler. Uh, Whenever this song plays, it's the first time that the music... I was like, oh, what's this? It actually got the attention of my ear. Yeah, I like this song quite a bit. Like, I listen to it just on my own. Well, I'm going to be the middle-of-the-road guy and say, all the music in this movie is just okay. Pointy finger. (laughs) After their little performance, there's a line that I I just love. You've got everybody just lined up there, and young Neil's talking to Knives, and he's like, you should see them live. They're much better live. Just like all these little, little hipsterisms that are used so tongue-in-cheek. And so mockingly. That's what makes this movie are these little bits that get tossed out there. And if you you can pick them out, if you catch them, it really enhances the film. After that, Julie tells everybody, hey, Envy wants you to come backstage. You know, come hang out. And shit gets real awkward, as you would expect. Because we find out that one of Ramona's exes was... A guy named Todd, who was actually in the band and dating Envy Adams now. He's actually who Envy left Scott for. So you've got... It's just a really... It's not even a a love triangle. You've got a love pentagram here. A love pentagon. I don't know, with like Envy and Scott. Todd and Ramona and (laughs) Knives there too. And fucking young Neil. You got everybody there and it's just real awkward it's always awkward having a vegan in the room to be honest straight up 
being vegan just makes you better than most people. I'm pretty sure he's not getting the protein for those muscles being a vegan. Do with small AF. I've actually thought about putting together that for a uh, for a Halloween costume. Just the, the Adidas white jersey with the black number three on it and bleach blonde hair. You saw his number three shirt and you're just like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, that, that's pretty simple. People would stand <laughs> from Slim Shady. But at that moment, <laughs> for whatever reason, he, Todd, the vegan, fucking punches the highlights out of Knives' hair. And at that moment, it is on. Yeah, and that's where, you know, again, this movie shines. Every time there's a fight scene, a uh, quote-unquote boss battle, it's it's fun. It's a well, lot of fun. This was actually a base battle. You True. have two on stage, and he's just flicking that D. Yeah, this uh, this boss battle has like little stages too, because they get into like a little kerfuffle or whatever in the little room, but then he like stops them with his stupid superpowers. He's like, okay, I gotta figure out something else that I can beat him at. And they go to like stage two, base battle, but then he gets his ass kicked again, all the way back into like the refreshment area of the place. Uh, I really enjoy, I really enjoy the way he floats into the room, and you know it's got that very anime esque. Uh, feel to it because as he's floating in they've got all these clear Dixie cups laying on the ground and right where he is as he's floating in the Dixie cups disperse around him because he's you know emitting all this energy I thought that was really cool it's all about the details but again uh, the evil X this time evil X number three he's got vegan powers so he's got to figure out a way to outsmart him outsmart this uh this super powerful vegan x well the guy's got his telepathy so he's like in his head he's like i know that you put fucking dairy creamer in this you're trying to make me lose my vegan powers (laughs) (laughs) and he wasn't wrong he's like i'll take the one with whatever takes a big swig then fucking frank castle breaks down the fucking wall right beside him with his laser fucking finger it's (laughs) god damn it the pain Clifton Collins Jr. come in as the vegan police. Goddamn Frank Castle. My favorite fucking... Like, this is what I'm talking about. The supporting cast, these little bits, are what fucking make this. When these two come busting through the wall, they're like, freeze! (laughs) They fucking got their fingers. Literal finger guns pointing at him with little green lasers. (laughs) It's legit. And I love that it's like, I thought it was like three strikes and you're out. like, in November... You ate a gelato. Gelato's not vegan. It was like it's something milk and eggs. Eggs, bitch. He goes, <laughs> milk and eggs, bitch. Yeah. Oh, man. Second one was something. Uh, he goes, and then on this day, you had chicken. He goes, oh, chicken's not vegan? He's like, nah, man. And then he's like, and now you did this. He's like, you can't. And then they just take his powers. Oh, yeah, his hair deflates. That's great. <laughs> and then Scott just, like, headbutt KOs him into a bunch of coins. It's not even a KO. The man murdered him with a headbutt. <laughs> he is killing people. For whatever reason, though, they explode into money. Because that's what and happens even... in the Vigi games. Well, no, I get right. that, but he's still killing people. Yeah, oh, even did, Brie Larson's like, hey, you popped my boyfriend. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's three evil axes. We are almost halfway there. I think it's time to celebrate. Dang, dude. I'm popping up what, that bubbly. What you celebrating with? 
I've actually got something a little bit special today. I've got Stone's Woot Stout. Woot! <laughs> this thing is, uh, it's a stout brewed with pecans, wheat, and rye, quarter-aged in bourbon barrels. It's 11.5%, so it's pretty strong. It's actually, the recipe was created by none other than TV's Will Wheaton. Whoa! I thought you were going to go with the whole Will Wheaton. <laughs> Oh, I thought he did. A little bit of wisp in there. I thought it's like, just a little bit. Will Wheaton. But guys, guys, this beer is delicious. Yeah, you were talking about that uh, the other day at work. You were very excited for this one. Yeah, I'm super glad I got some. It's a, it's a pretty limited edition beer. So anytime I can get my hands on it, I, I try my best. But it's fucking good. It's really deep, rich, a little bit sweet, but not too sweet. It's not like a breakfast stout or anything like that. It's not a dessert stout. It's just um, just a good, full-bodied, manly fucking stout. Did, did you hear that, Will Wheaton? It's delightful. Somebody called you manly. I, uh, I did not have a special limited edition beer. I had Shorts Brew Soft Parade. 7.5% alcohol by volume. It was a fruit ale with blueberries, strawberries, blackberries, and raspberries. That doesn't and... sound manly at all. Nope. I'm, I'm, I, I, if you go back on these podcasts, I'm a bitch when it comes to beer. I'm not a beer guy. So tell us about this. Again, I don't have this sophisticated palate. I can't give you like the, the, the big rundown. It tastes like if you took a beer and it says it has all these different berries, I can only really taste raspberry. It's like if you took a beer and you put some coffee beans in it and then squished a raspberry and threw it in there, that's what the <laughs> beer tastes like. I mean, that sounds relevant to my interests. I'd drink that. It was weird. I was like, you know, it's not terrible, but it's not the best. Very middle of the road. I respect it. Myself, I'm going with wine once more. I'm a wine kind of guy. I like the little pinky up stuff. Good old West Virginia fruit and berry added again. Luscious cherry blossom. Some good stuff. So we missed a little piece that I really enjoyed. Well, we didn't really miss it, but we just kind of didn't discuss it. He's like, yeah, me and Knives, we broke up clean. And then as he's walking by, he waves at Knives. And then it cuts back. She's like, no. Like she's falling off a cliff. I thought that was an excellent touch. And is this the same scene that you cut, they cut back to um, Kim and she's just scowling again? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but that's any time it cuts to her, so it doesn't matter. That's true. All right. So after this, after Scott defeats the third evil ex, they go to the after party. Because after the party, you got to go to the after party. And Scott and Ramona talk about all of their past breakups. And at that moment, immediately after, we get a shot to evil ex number four. Yes, the bi-furious ex. <laughs> With the football makeup. Yeah, she. I don't get it. My wife is all about her. She's, uh, uh... I'd rather bang Scott. I don't know. I don't know. Something about the thigh. Something. I mean, if I could get a chick where all I had to do was touch the back of her knee and she fucking had an exploding orgasm, I'd be kind of into it. No, she died. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is video game world. She left money on the bed. <laughs> There's no evidence. <laughs> no, no, what Does Scott that did make to her you was the money. Prostitute? She's dead. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst way to go. Uh... Uh, <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> so, uh, next Scott has to fight Roxy. 
evidently Ramona had a little bit of a bi-curious phase. Whenever she uses the term phase, uh, the bi-furious ex becomes very agitated with that. <laughs> so we start out with a little bit of a girl fight, and everyone's just standing back watching like one would. Ramona pulls out a war hammer from somewhere, like right out of her purse. Yeah, it's like a matchbox pocket purse. I, yeah, I mean, why not? Just something that you keep in your inventory, just in case. So that's why ladies' purses are so heavy. Yeah. Well, I would expect that would cause her to be over-encumbered. I see where you're going with that, but it's more like Final Fantasy, where you can just hold everything. Not so much Fallout. Oh, okay. She has plenty of room where she has no personality. Ooh! Her fucking personality is just endless void, so she can fit anything she wants in there. <laughs> but then we find out, during the course of this girl fight, that Scott has to defeat her. So, Scott can't hit a girl because, I don't know, he's a good guy. Um... So Ramona uses Scott's fist to fight, and Roxy's very noob Sabot. Did anybody notice that? She's like disappearing into black sort of dust and just reappearing in other places. She's jumping around. Yeah, like noob Sabot like was my favorites. Yeah. But she does throw out just a line that <laughs> just gives me a chuckle. Right as she, right as Roxy's about to, I guess, attempt to end Scott. Your BF's about to get effed in the B. <laughs> it's real bad, but in a way that I love. She's saying this while she's holding up her leg next to her head, about to deliver like an axe kick from hell. Very Kung Pao style, just like straight up in the air. Yeah. But it turns out her weak point is the back of her knee, and Scott just uh, tickles the back of her knee, and I guess she just... Uh, Nuts all the way out into exploding and coins <laughs> or whatever. Is that what happens? I don't know. It sounds Explosive about right. orgasm. Boom. Money, money, money. The money it's shot. Like a... Dang. Here comes the money shot. And also, everyone's cool about some lady just busting a nut on the floor then busting into a bunch of coins. And dying. I mean, if a girl did that, I wouldn't see anything wrong with it. Alright, that's cool. Now, somebody help me pick up this chain. Man, Chandler likes to party. I'm just saying, hobos would be a real threat <laughs> in this universe. You know, like, I'm, uh, I need some change. Stab you. Boom! Fucking exploding at money. I mean, this is like a hobo's paradise. We also notice there aren't any homeless people in the streets. Yeah, because they got to get them first. <laughs> oh, God. Scott Pilgrim versus the homeless. <laughs> exactly. And then we get, you know... A list of the other exes, and he's got to fight some twins next. Twins, Basil. Twins. This, to me, whenever they finally get there with the amp versus amp battle. Oh, yeah. I, I chuckle because I was like, oh, man, he's fighting the fucking Steve Aoki twins. What's up? <laughs> they weren't throwing cake. They had, like, musical dragons coming out their fucking turntables. Yeah, this it's is a really visually awesome scene. You got Amp versus Amp, the Katanayagi twins, or whatever it is. Steve Aoki. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. And just visually really awesome. And this is also the first time we get to see uh, Gideon, Mr. G. Yeah, there's a quick zoom in on his face, and it's played by um, Jason Schwartzman, who I can't fucking stand. 
I fucking oh, hate his Jason face. Workman, who is who you can't stand. I love. I don't Jason fuck, I don't know what it is, but every time I see him, I just want to put my thumbs in his eyeballs. He just has that fucking thumbs in the eyeballs face. I don't know what it is. Is it the mole? <laughs> mole, 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 mole. Mole, 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 mole. mole. If it's gonna chop it off and make guacamole. Mole. Is it out of your system now? Like, is it, is it in every movie or is it just in this movie? Because I'm a big fan. Oh, I think it's just him, just as a person. Like, I don't know what it is. I just see him. I'm just like, I want to hurt this man. He's done nothing to me. He's probably a swell fella. <laughs> swell fella. Yeah, uh, same thing with Michael Sarah. I'm sure Michael Sarah is a nice enough guy. It's just when I I'm see not. him. Well, we know you're not, Chandler. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure that he is a nice enough guy. Michael Sarah might very well be a douche, but I can relate to all the characters that he plays in the films. What, you knocked up a chick in high school? Did she have a hamburger <laughs> phone? Not that. I actually don't Did like Juno at all. I didn't Roll like it. Land. <laughs> but yeah, there's a big showdown with the Steve Oakey twins and uh, Sex Bob-omb. The music's loud. Things are falling apart. Some uh, CGI dragons are coming out. It it looks very video gameish. It kind of reminds you of Guitar Hero. There's even a moment where he stamps on the uh, the bass pedal. And yeah, I gotta point out that like he stamped on an overdrive pedal, so the whole thing just went into overdrive. Ah. Oh, okay. So uh, it ends up just being a battle between two dragons and an ape, and the ape wins. Uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with anything. Uh, sex bomb or. Or Michael Sarah, Scott Pilgrim does. Just the ape beats the dragons. I don't know. I don't understand it. Movie's got a movie. Video game's got a video game. But Scott gets a, a one-up. You know, as long as there's murder, the movie will continue. For real. As long as the body count is going up. I mean, honestly, I don't even know what happened to the cats and I. I don't even know the twins. They just, um, did they, did they explode in the coins? They would have had to, right? Like, the Tamagotchi twins... They fucking died, okay? Okay. <laughs> but the question is, did they get... Did he get 11,000? 5,000 and 6,000 for, for for both? Or just like 6,000 for the two together? Each. I, yeah. hmm, I feel like he's getting gypped here. Well, he got a free one-up, so... Okay. <laughs> well, he also got to use his team on that one. I guess it was like a point multiplier. Okay. That's fair, then. All right. But then, you know, Scott's like, yay, I'm winning, good stuff. He goes outside, green-haired fucking drywalls now, like, I don't like you anymore. And she dumps him in the exact same fashion that he dumps knives. Absolutely. He says, I'm in lesbians with you, because she knows what that means. And Ramona's just like, we gotta break up, I'm with Gideon now, uh, fuck off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Gideon's like, hey... I'm going to sign you guys to a contract. Piero, as one of the bandmates, pisses on himself. <laughs> but he, he quits the band. He's like, I'm not going to sign that. It's like, you guys need a bassist. Then fucking young Neil pops up with the bass. I can do it. Quickly signs or just scribbles without even looking at it. So the next thing that we have, we got Scott at home, real sad. He sings that sad Ramona song. And Wallace sort of kicks him out because he's got a date that he's trying to have some some sex with he gets a phone call from gideon he's opening up the chaos theater in toronto and his former band is playing and he's like it'd be real awkward if you didn't come 
I think it would be real awkward if he did come, but you know, why not? Why not have an invitation? So, Scott comes down to the new Chaos Theater. Level 7! This has got to be the last level, right? Level 7. Chaos Theater. Mm, lucky number. Yeah. And <laughs> as soon as you walk in, you get another one of those little uh, hipster quips. You hear, I don't remember his name, the hipster from a couple scenes ago, the party. He's like, talking to somebody. You hear, yeah, the first album is so much better than the first album. <laughs> <laughs> then, but is this, you know, has he done the password bit? Yeah, this yeah. is kind of where he comes through. Okay. Yeah, he's already he's already inside, and that was meta hipster. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's at every party, standing. He's always the first guy he runs into. He knows everybody. That's why he's there. So Scott comes in, and he's ready to fight Gideon. Why? Because I'm in love with her. Scott earns the power of love, which comes with like a flaming sword, I guess. Yep. That's a the flaming could. And he also gets his level up. So huh? Scott just runs through the place, killing all of his foot soldiers and fire patrols and whatever. He's just killing. Yeah. He, he, he murdered, murdered at least a dozen men right there. People who had families. This was just a job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So the murderer, Scott Pilgrim, goes up to, to fight Gideon. There's a little bit of a, a battle, a little bit of a sword fight between the two. And Knives shows up just out of fucking nowhere, ready to fight. Eh, sword fight used in, like, quotes, because he did one lunge and his sword broke immediately. Yeah, yeah the power of love was not strong enough to stand up to the power of Gideon. I was gonna say, the power of love isn't strong enough to stand up against the power of the Schwartzman. Ooh, I like that. Also, fuck Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> Knives and uh, Ramona, they get into, like, a little tussle, and then there's a moment of, you know, pause, like, hey, let's not do this. And oh Scott yeah, gets a literal backstab. But going back a little bit, she wanted to fight Ramona because how dare you break the heart of the person who broke my heart? Makes sense. Oh, to me. Yeah. So yeah, Gideon just straight up backstab Scott. Game over. He dead. He finally gets a taste of what it's like to be murdered. But luckily, he's got that extra life though, right? Correct, sir. He's in the desert, and then they're like, hey. You got this extra life, and there's exposition, and there weren't any real jokes there, so I was not really paying a lot of attention. Cactus was back. back ever. So, Scott's got to go through this whole thing again, telling the passwords, you know, whatever. Exactly <laughs> like one would uh, if you had an extra life or had to respawn in a video game. You've got to go through all this mindless stuff. All right, you got to kill the putty patrol. You see the meta hipster, <laughs> he says... <laughs> All right, the the com <laughs> you see the meta hipster. He throws out the quip. Oh, the comic book is much better than the movie. Okay. Nice. Can we just Scott point out the fact in. that he murdered a man just by telling him his hair was bad? <laughs> it oh, was the no. first guy at the uh, his first guy at the chaos place. Oh, okay. Your hair's bad. Some, I mean, when you're leveled up that high, sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah, he rolled a fucking nat twenty on uh, intimidation. It's too much. <laughs> All right, so he comes in and um and just comes. Yeah. <sighs> so Scott comes in, apologizes to his band, is like, "Sorry, I was a shit." Um, <laughs> young Neil, you're a better bassist than me. That's the right move. I'm not gonna fight you for Ramona. I'm gonna fight you for me. 
And Scott's he earned the up. power of self-respect, and there he gets is. like an electric purple sword this time, which might be a better sword. I don't know. I haven't looked at the stat. Well, well if it's phallic and purple, it's definitely a penetrator. So, yes, he easily defeats the penetrator Gideon this time. Yeah, just straight up beats Gideon. That's the final boss battle, right? Or is it? Or is it? So then it becomes like Ninja DDR because he has to team up with uh, knives. And they're two using two-player mode activated. Yep, and they start doing like the DDR moves that they practice at the arcade a bunch to, you know, beat up Schwartzman. Yeah, there's really great choreography, great visual animations through this whole scene. I'm really into it. I like it a lot. And yeah. for such like a string bean, awkward dude, Michael Sarah moves pretty well. Like it's super smooth. It's nice. Now, there were some obvious times when they would do, like, a top-down, and you could see this dude in, like, a bad wig. But other than that, <laughs> Michael Sarah's up there. He's doing most of his own little things, which, you know, I give him credit for. It's just that Napoleon Dynamite dude. Oh. Gosh! <laughs> but they, they defeat Gideon again, and he has a line, and he says that he is mad that he had to spend two hours organizing these seven X's to fight Scott Pilgrim. And he said that, and I went, holy shit, the movie's two hours. Oh, he's talking about, you know, oh, it's a thing. And then I went, you know what, Gideon? Me and you got something in common, buddy. I am mad I have spent two hours watching Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Just goddamn. I feel responsible for that. The, the movie's not bad, so you don't have to be responsible for anything. I just don't like Michael Sarah. The movie has so many fun bits and nostalgia throwbacks that it's just, it's worth a watch if you don't mind Michael Sarah. So, speaking for... of movies with people that one of us hates, which Jason Siegel movie are we going to watch next? Oh, jeez. Where's the one where he shows his dick? <laughs> oh, that's that's that. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and that movie is fantastic. There we go. All because of his dick. Not all, but it helps. Anyways, for my hatred of Jason Schwartzman, it was super pleasing to see his head get just kicked off by Scott Pilgrim in like a super over-the-top fashion. Not only does he explode into coins, but coins all over the fucking joint rain from the fucking sky. Like, oh, yeah. he was worth more than a dollar thirty-four. He could definitely ride a couple of buses on that. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> next, he has to fight... I thought this shit was over. I was like, alright, cool. Let's wrap it up. And so, then he's gotta fight another boss. Nega Scott. Nega Scott! And, and you're totally thinking like, oh man, this is going to be even more epic, a more crazy showdown. Everybody leaves to make space for him. Five minutes later, they just leave like, yeah, man, see you later. Let's get some coffee next week. Yeah, they yeah, just make buddies. Just turns out we, got, we got a lot in common. <laughs> and everybody's just okay with just like a, an evil replica of somebody just like existing in the same world. And wandering okay. off through coffee. Yeah, just whatever. See it, Tim's pal. There's a there's a moment later where, you know, uh, Ramona and Knives are there, and he's trying to choose who he wants. He's like, Knives, I should be with you. And she's like, nah, I'll be all right. Go get your girl. So he runs off after her. But what we don't know, and what the movie doesn't tell you, is that she's secretly going to go after Nega Scott. Oh. <laughs> Nah, she just likes those bad boys. I think you just filled in a blank for me there. There it is. 
But no, honestly, like if I could have changed anything about this movie, I would have had Scott leaving with knives. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. She is the better character. She's interesting as opposed to the girl from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind's movie cover. <laughs> just broods and walks off and, oh, look at me in my bra and panties in one scene. She's She's got nothing in this film and he's still chasing her. The movie ends with him like, then let's go through this door and start yeah. over. Like, you're she, absolutely right, but I, I get it. I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing, because she's fucking sexy. Damn. So basically, this entire movie should have been called Scott Pilgrim Pays the Pussy Tax. <laughs> oh, if you want to cross the troll bridge, you gotta pay the troll toll. <laughs> if you want to get inside this boy's hole, or whatever it is, I don't know. Yeah. To wrap it up, gentlemen, it's Uh not a film for me. It's got amazingly fun visuals, these, you know, really, really good supporting cast. These little background characters make it for me. Not Scott Pilgrim, not Ramona, the background characters. They sell it. I agree. Very good picture, very entertaining. Though the more I think about it, the more I kind of hate everybody in this movie. Um, Oh, yeah, the characters, for the most part, the people, they're not good people. No, not at all. I, I want to watch it again, just, you know, see if I still like it. But I think out of all of Edgar Wright's movies, mm, I would put this towards the bottom. He's done a lot better. Like, Hot Fuzz is a fucking masterpiece. Hot Fuzz is incredible. For me, I like this movie more every time I watch it. This just hits all the right notes for me. It's a... It's a movie done in the style of a video game about a comic book, about a guy that plays music. It hits all of the right notes. And it it was made in just the right time where, like, you've got that early to mid-2000s, like, hipster vibe going on. You've got all the indie heads, and you've got a whole lot of, like, the cast in this is incredible. You've got a whole lot of people that just went on to be amazing iconic actors you've got uh captain america captain marvel you've got april ludgate uh you've got jason schwartzman in it michael Sarah. i mean you saw the credits list when you when you started watching but it just hits all the right notes for me i love it and that's that that's scott pilgrim versus the world if you guys have any opinions on the movie be sure to leave a comment down below you can get on there and follow us on the facebook the twitter Please hit that like and subscribe button on our YouTube. Tap that bell so you know when we have another one of these brewing. And we'll catch you next time. Bye and stuff.